Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn, your friends. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn, and I have my very beautiful co-host <laughs> in, the, in the studio with me, Miss Summer Rain. I forgot to get my music again. What's oh, up, man. Summer? How are you doing? Hey, I'm here. Hi. You're here? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're here, all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Summer I'm, I'm Rain. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me again. We are um we are probably what is this, the eighth? Mm-hmm. It's probably about five more episodes before the end of the season. And it does not seem like it has um gone by it's gone by pretty fast. We started in June, July. Mm-hmm. This is August and next month, September. That'll be we always do twelve weeks and twelve weeks will be up very soon. So mm-hmm. um it's been it's been good. It's been good. I've had some unexpected, you know, surprises come up and obligations. So I've done a few shows from the vault, but um according to the ratings, they've they've gone pretty good. Um last week we did let's talk about sex when we had one of our um experts from I think two thousand fifteen or two thousand seventeen. So we replayed that. Um and it seemed like it was very well received. Tonight we have Miss Kim Dorsey coming on a little bit later in the show to talk about uh, release the power within. When and next week actually we have Janice Dadsey. She's going to talk about understanding the power and freedom within. So mm. we got a lot. Of, I don't know if this is God just telling us that we got this power because you know you mm. and I talk off the show and both of us are in this shift, this this life shift. New situations, yeah. new locations, new job opportunities. So I think the information that we're going to get tonight and tomorrow um, are going to help both of us on our journeys. But how's your week been so far? I know it's only Tuesday, but yeah. how's everything going? It's going, it's going. You know, life's been life for you, girl. But you know, I'm still here. I'm still. Um... Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> That's how life has been for me, okay? <laughs> Just be coming out of nowhere. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I've been I've been having a good time enjoying myself um, down here in Charlotte, and you know, so far so good. So that's about it. You know, I got a couple things coming up this week um, as far as just, you know, meeting new people, hanging out, and stuff like that. So I'm just enjoying the journey and the ride, you know, as we continue to grow. Yeah. So, in comparison to here, because we're in Hampton Roads, Virginia now, you you were here for a while, then you moved to Charlotte. So, Mm -hmm. in comparison, is it slower, faster, about the same, or what? Um, that's very that's definitely hard for me to um compare because, like, I was very complacent in Virginia. Like, that's where I'm from. I knew a lot of things going on, and, you know, I chose not to, or I chose to hang out, or I chose not to go to different events or places here. Um, One thing I set out to do was to, you know, move around a little bit more, get out there, um, enjoy the culture, enjoy the city, learn, you know, myself, even if I have to go out by myself, Mm. you know, so... I would say as far as um, things to do, there are a lot. Like I can, if I really wanted to set my calendar up, I can do something from Sunday to Sunday for oh, the wow. last or the rest of the year if I wanted to. Like I, sometimes I double book because I'm like, I want to go on a hike and then they have a barbecue with another meetup group and then they're doing a rooftop thing at 10 oh, o'clock and I'm really? like, I got to go home. <laughs> so as far as things to do, um, it's very diverse, 
um, and it's a lot of things to do. I, one thing I am working on now is kind of slowing that down just a little bit and pivoting into the career scene. So now I'm going to look into networking because I heard it was really good place for career advancement for black and brown communities and women of color. So um, that is my next and, you know, hopefully I'll be able to speak on that when I get a chance. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, to me, it sounds like it's a little bit faster than here because I, I can barely plan, find something to plan for the weekend. You're talking about from Sunday to Sunday. <laughs> um, it's pretty fast to me. But, it is okay. all in here, you know, in Virginia. Depending on your circle in Virginia, you, you can have a lot of things to do, you know, so. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to our table talk. We have quite a few topics. So the first one I just saw, I just saw on Facebook, and I was like, hmm. This was a question. So it was a little meme. It said, the man cancels a wedding with his fiance after seeing her Facebook comment saying that she will cheat for $1 million. He canceled the whole wedding. Was he wrong? So I thought about this question. I was like, okay, well, let me just dig into this question a little bit first. So number one, was he wrong in doing that? And then you think, do you think it's wise? to be friends with your significant other on social media? You know, should there be some type of understanding? Because to me, social media, I mean, I don't know half my my Facebook friends. And I know if my significant other was to really examine my likes and comments and stuff like that, he would probably have some, some questions if he was that insecure about it. But to mm-hmm. me, social media, that's just social media. Half of it you know, the posts and stuff, they're stretched, they're exaggerated. It's not real. Um, it's just a source of entertainment. So, I mean, I probably would have made the same comment, not meant it, but for homeboy to cancel the wedding, was. what do you feel about it? Um. So how I feel is he didn't want to get married. He was looking for an out. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like he took that as maybe he, you know, falsely was, I wouldn't say falsely, but maybe he was asking for signs from someone or talking to some people. And, you know, sometimes they say, you know, you'll get a sign from it. And that every time some people think that all signs mean negative or turn left instead of turning right or just bypass the sign. But -hmm. people sometimes look a little too deep into things. And I feel like that if they both were going the same direction, their mindset was the same, they had the same morals and values and was looking to build a life together and had been with each other for, you know, at least two plus years, we'll just say. Um, I think that he may have had some reservations and he was just looking for a way to say, see, I don't want to be with you or maybe found someone else or something along those lines because I don't think that a post on social media about – because. Sometimes if you ask a man, will they cheat? Sometimes they'll say yeah too. And yeah. it could be a man with a with Holly Berry on his arm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't okay. matter, you know. It's just a question. Like there was a video I was watching the other day, and a girl was going around asking a bunch of other females, "Would you snitch? What is it like? If uh, would you send your man to jail or snitch on your friend?" And a lot of girls was like, "Send my man to jail." <laughs> As they were there with their, of course, with their best friend. So there was was one couple, she was there with her man, and she was like, no, I love my man. I'm going to have to snitch on my friend. It depends, you know. So, yeah, I think he went a little overboard with it. I think, and I think that's, that was his way out. Homeboy was probably getting nervous and all that. He was like, this is my sign. This is my, to be honest, I mean, not in this situation with my marriage. But there have been things that I didn't want to do, and I was just looking. If I didn't okay. pitch an argument or whatever, just a cowardly way to get out of doing something. So, yeah, right. I, I feel like that it wasn't even about the post, um, that he just didn't want to get married. So, yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Um, but speaking about people calling things off, here's a, uh, another lady who I heard, and I was watching the YouTube video of this guy trying to explain it. Um, she finds out from her spouse's side chick that he was cheating. And then she laid down the law about a new set of rules. 
So I'm going to play the clip for you. We've talked about this, um, I think, probably on the first episode of the season. But I'm going to mm-hmm. play the clip. We're going we're gonna to see where you're at now. Hi for me. Great, because I love you. I, I never wanted to not be with you. I never wanted to be without you. I want to do life with you. But in the process of all this happening, you a liar. You got you a bitch, and I had to hear from this bitch what our relationship was about. No, we not fucking no more. I want to see other people. You act like you're the only fucker in this relationship that other people want to. No, we we no. Let's let's be real. Let's. So what we gonna do is we gonna stay together. We gonna have a beautiful life together for the rest of our lives. We gonna continue getting money together. We gonna continue raising this little girl together. We gonna have a fabulous home. We're gonna love and take care of each other. But I'm gonna f- other people, and I hope you do too. Ooh, Jesus Christ! And we will never ever talk about it. Don't bring me no babies. Don't bring me no diseases. But we gonna do what we wanna do outside this house because to this point it has worked. <laughs> Guys, you know what? I hate to sound like I'm a hoe, but I can feel what she is saying. If you have been in a situation where you keep visiting, revisiting the same topic, and you may have your mind that you're not going nowhere, then hey, you might. Why keep going through the stress? Because it's I've cheated before, and it's it's stressful to try to worry about. You know, are you going to get caught? This is this, this. So if you can come up with an agreement, I say come up with an agreement. We agree that that's what, um, early in the season, that's what respectful cheating is. You both know that it's a possibility that you could be doing. You don't talk about it. You don't bring me nothing home. I don't have to deal with no chicks on the street or niggas on the street. And that's what it's going to be. We're going to still do life. We're going to still be fabulous. We're going to still take our trips. I feel where she is. A lot of people don't. What do you say? Um, (laughs) Someone thinks that that's a crock of bull. (laughs) There's no way. I don't care. To me, there's no respectful cheating. There's no way. Some people take marriage differently. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if you covenant yourself and you say we're going to be together, we're going to be together. If you decide that you want to step out and I decide that I accept that you stepped out and we're going to make this work, I'm not going out and then you go back out and then I go out and you go back out. No, then at this point in time, we need to dissolve this marriage. The Mm -hmm. marriage does not mean we can't take care of our kids. The marriage does not mean that whatever we build has to be built. I can build by myself. Mm-hmm. You never know what is out there for you to build by yourself. You could be building something that will tear itself down, you know, because it's not built on a solid foundation. Like just staying with someone just because you married to them, because you want to build an empire or a life with them while you guys are both, what is the word, Flout, floundering around or validating yeah. around outside your marriage. Like how do you think also people – it's not about people in general, but like the respect, like how do you think people will take you seriously? What if you're trying to go for a business deal and people know that your husband is out in the streets and they don't want no parts of that or you? Yeah. So well, you also have to think about what, business. That's what, um, I forgot what the reality star was, uh, who originally brought up this concept of respectful cheating. She was saying, that's the thing about it. It becomes disrespectful if anybody yeah. knows about what's going on. This is somebody right. from Tallamahoo, Mississippi, in the back bay woods that you find that you got to go do that, you go do that. I don't find out about it. Nobody else don't find about it. And it's like that. Nobody you should be flaunting the streets is going to embarrass you. But I, I definitely feel you. I think I think a little bit of that is my hormones. But I, I'm just surprised. It was normally the other way around. Normally the dude coming up with this, but she was like, you know, we still gonna do this, we still gonna do that, and I'm gonna have mine too because for some reason you think you're the only one that you can do it. Yeah, like, that's that's also my thought process. Why do you feel like you only have to be with him to build? Like, how do you know that there's not someone else out there that you could? It could take you five years to build because y'all are doing the things that y'all are doing but you could go out there find someone that built and y'all build way more way faster way quicker more money you know what i'm saying somebody else could be out there for you and you are choosing to settle to mm-hmm. be with this man because you think that you're going to get some type of empire what if it doesn't work like 
you don't value yourself any more than just this marriage because you've been with him for a long time and y'all have a child, you have no value on yourself. Yeah. I'm out. I can build. Give me some of your money. (laughs) No, I'm just playing. But I'm out. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So moving on, moving on. Let's go back to this other situation. So Wayne Brady, which I I just I assumed I guess that he was gay. But fifty one year old Wayne Brady announced Monday that he identifies as pansexual and he says that he's embracing a journey of self discovery, aren't we all? Um he says, and I quote, as someone who gets to bring joy to others daily on T V it's been ironic that I don't experience it as much as I like, he wrote in this caption. I advocate mental health for all, and a part of that is self-transparency. In doing my work, I've come to see a, new, a few truths, one of them being that I want to be free to love whomever I want. This truth makes me pan and part of the LGBTQ family. He says, it's scary, as hell. it's scary as hell to say it out loud, but here it is. The people I admire the most are the ones brave enough to be themselves unapologetically. This shouldn't shake anyone's world, but if it bothers you at all, that's your business, he said. I was so afraid of having my manhood question, but screw that. A real man in my eyes isn't afraid to be honest and happy. From now on, I'll be over here living my best life. He says, I'm pansexual. So what was the hardest part for you coming out? For me, I'll go first. It was my parents. Because my parents, um, the whole time, I just grew up in a very, they weren't ministers, but they were very into the church. And for whatever reason, I don't know, but they were into the church and they just felt like everybody needs to abide by the rules of the Bible, but not so much them all the time. It was like they wanted the kids to be saved while they were still living their best life. But I just grew up just living by these strict rules of, of church and religion. So I just felt like, and especially my mom, I've always wanted, I've been a mom, mama's boy, I've always wanted to make her proud. And um, the way that I was, in Norfolk, I went to Norfolk State, and the dorm director is actually the person who outed me to my dad. And the way they approached me, my parents made me feel like, you know, they were concerned. Like, it was okay. They were like, you know, are you gay? Like, there's island music playing in the back. And I was like, yeah. I, I thought it was a moment where they were going to embrace me and say, we love you. Not. They <laughs> were like, we, we, don't worry about it. We're going to get you fixed. And they oh. took me to the psychiatrist. They got, you know, they cut me off. It was like two years of hell. So that was the hardest part, coming out to my parents. Of course, now, you know, they were at the wedding and everything, but it took some years. It took a lot of years uh, for me to get past that. And, you know, at 51, I'm still dealing with, become, I still don't feel like I've come completely out. There's certain situations where, you know, my husband's a uh, um, uh, millennial, and he don't mind going into a building and saying, this is my husband. Mm-hmm. Where sometimes, you know, I feel like I want to say this is my roommate, my son, my anything. Because <laughs> you know, I, feel, I, I feel like I'm still in that getting comfortable with myself situation. So what was the hardest part for you? Um, I would say the hardest part was my family as well. Um, you know, I don't think, to be honest, <laughs> I never actually came out. I never came and said, like, hey, I'm gay, I'm a lesbian or anything like that. I just, when I was in college, the first woman I dated, um, she lived back about four hours away back where I went to school at. And so one summer, when I went on summer break and I came back home to the the Chesapeake area, 757, she came to visit. And she was a masculine-presenting female. And so she stayed with me that whole summer. And that was kind of like, you know, like I thought my mom would pick up on it. Uh And she didn't. She just, I didn't realize at the time that she also had like her own outside friends who were, you know, some people in the group. So I don't think she put it together. And Uh then like my um, 
soon-to-be ex-wife, like, we wind up getting together, and she wind up coming to live with me, but I still never said, like, I, so we just, we lived together for, like, the longest time, and we went to cookouts, and we went home, like, I'm originally from Ohio, so we went to my family's home, her family's home, her family already knew, because she's masculine presenting, so, you know, they automatically think you're gay if you come, you know, if you present yourself that way. From my perspective, I dress very feminine, so people don't know. Um, mm. And so when I got engaged, like, everyone everyone was so receptive of her throughout us just dating. And then when I got engaged, that's when everything kind of hit the fan. Everyone was like, you're getting married. We don't agree with this. And it's not a religion. Your marriage won't be blessed. My mom was like, I think this is a phase. My daddy was like, you know, I don't agree with it. And I'm like, I've been dating her <laughs> for like seven years at this point. I did, Like, what, what did y'all think we were what we were doing <laughs> this whole time no one said anything until we got engaged to get married mm-hmm. and so that's when things just kind of hit ahead and then when it was time to actually you know set up the the list for the people to come that's when our list started to dwindle down and down and people was just like no I don't agree with this and and it just became very very it was very saddening and then I found out that People in my family were was talking about me negatively in my hometown, was spreading rumors that Talia's gay, she's getting married, nobody wants to support this, nobody wants to come to the wedding. Mm. But they still came to the wedding. Yeah, they were spreading those rumors. Well, well actually it wasn't rumors, but they were, you know, telling people, I don't yeah. really want to go, but still came. And still just came to basically, you know, go back home and tell exactly what happened and the experience that they experienced. And it was just, yeah. So it was very saddening to see so many people that had been in our corner that had loved on us and prayed with us and been there for us all throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we want to, you know, put a covenant on it and do the, you know, right by each other. And they were just like, Oh no, but y'all can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, now yeah. to this, you know, to this day, I'm just, I don't, I, I'm a little still weary about talking about, like, I still don't, like, call my mom and tell her, like, hey, you know, this girl hit on me or anything. I just be like, yeah, your girl is out here <laughs> and yeah. you pulling numbers. <laughs> uh, but I don't, <laughs> I don't say, you know, the gender that it's from because it still doesn't, I don't, I, they still just don't make me feel comfortable so I'm just interested in seeing at this next journey in my life like if I'll be able to fully be like this is my partner and I come in because I never you know we never held hands at like functions and stuff like that when it came to our family we never like sat next to each other and like put you know how normal heterosexual couples are we never really danced together like it was just seemed like we just were aliens and so like like you're saying, it just made it very hard to just be myself and come out. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to love on my, you know, partner at the time. Like, I don't want to yeah. be held back, but I didn't have that, so. Well, so since you've been in Charlotte, have you had an opportunity to go to church? I know when you were here, mm-hmm. um, I, I consider my church the best place in the world. And I've been to a, a lot of churches here in the area. Have you found any place in where you are now? No, I have not. Like, I've been um, asking around, but some of the churches don't. I've noticed, like, a lot of allyships are not. Unfortunately, it's something we still struggle with in our black and brown community because a lot of allyships in churches and stuff like that are not black. They are typically white. And so, you know, I do not saying that I can't get anything from, uh, you know, a white church, but I just would personally like to be around some black and brown people. (laughs) So I'm still looking and, you know, I'm hoping, you know, I just got here. So I'm starting to slow down a little bit and, you know, stretch my, my wings on the career and the church home front and stuff like that. So I will definitely keep you updated. For that. And thank you 
So we're going to take a quick break from table topics right now. Um, our guest is in the studio. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to be here with Miss Kim Dorsey. She's going to talk to us about releasing the power within. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. Hey, y'all, Cedric the Entertainer here with Niecy Nash, taking a break from shooting The Soul Man to introduce you to Patience. Hi. Patience is a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for anything because all a family should worry about is helping their child live. St. Jude won't give up until they end childhood cancer, sickle cell, and other deadly diseases. Because of you, there is St. Jude. Learn more at stjude.org. There, beneath the surface. It waits for the silence, and then it starts slowly, climbing its way up and around what we've built here in our town. It happens every day in our communities, schools, and workplaces. Sexual violence thrives when we remain silent about these crimes. We can use our voices and have a positive conversation that can stop this problem from growing in our community. Sexual violence thrives in silence. Let's talk about it. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So Kim Dorsey, she is a youth spiritual life coach, a global activist, and an inspirational speaker who helps young people release the power within. She's spoken to audiences around the world and uplifted the lives of thousands of young people. She's based in New York. Kim helps young people learn new ways of adapting to the unpredictable challenges of these modern times. Please help me welcome to the show, Ms. Kim Dorsey. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you, Mr. Will Strayhorn. I appreciate this opportunity and this time. I hope that all is well. Absolutely. Yes, it was a beautiful day. Hot here in Virginia. Not sure about how okay. the weather there in, in, here in New York, correct? So, yes, New York, a beautiful day, but it had a little bit of a breeze, you know, but we'll take it. We'll take it. We will okay. definitely take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Tell you, how's the weather there in Charlotte? Is it hot? Um, it's been raining, so it's just a little humid, but um, it's a breeze as well. So it's actually really nice. Okay. All right. Well, Kim, I've had an opportunity to look at your beautiful website. Very good job there. Yeah. I looked at a lot of the things that you've done, but for the audience, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so let me start off by telling you the good things about me, right? <laughs> I am the, I am a mother, I'm a grandmother, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm an aunt. Um, I am a certified uh, Christian counselor, mm-hmm. uh, nationally board certified. I am also a uh, certified chaplain. Um, I am a, uh, oh my God, what, what could I say? I help and assist. Uh, run a virtual stream network, which is a family network where uh, the the audience is, is, is family-based, family-oriented, uh, mm-hmm. sisters and, and brothers and, and nephew and mother, um, just introducing people to, you know, the body of Christ. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, my God, what else can I say? Uh, during COVID, I started a prayer line to bring young people together, families, uh, that were dealing with the, the outcome of the pandemic, uh, whether it was COVID, loss of jobs loss of loved ones, uh, or just mentally, you know, battling in their mind as to whether or not, you know, this was going to be the end. So that's a little bit about who I am, Will. Wow. You a lot. <laughs> I try. <laughs> um, so I have a uh, quick question. So as far as your book, kind of skimmed through a little bit, so I'm definitely going to go back and sit down because there was some great key points in there um, I want to yeah. touch on and take notes. So the title of your book is Release the Power Within. Um, do you mind elaborating on that, and why did you choose that title? Sure. So, you know, being an adult, um, you know, you when you have a moment to actually sit down, you think about your life. You think about where you've been where you've gone or where you may not have been, right? And so being an adult, I'm looking over my life, my involvement with young people, and I'm realizing that each child or each individual that comes on this earth has been born with a purpose and a plan, 
the only thing that occurs is that we don't give young people who turn into adults the opportunity to use their power and their authority to become who God has created them to be. And so release the power within it can be put into the scope of weight loss, right? Uh, it could be put into the scope of relationships, your peace of mind. And what it is, it's letting people know that the power really lies within you. Mm-hmm. And that's where the title came about. It's, we don't realize the gifts, right, the gifts that lies within us, right? And the power is within ourselves. Um, you know, we look to other people. And don't get me wrong. Guidance is good because on this journey, we do need assistance, but it lies within you. It has to start with you first. And so that's where the title came. And it came with me uh, in my process of going through the pandemic, uh, loss of income, loss of a job, and just, you know, sitting there twiddling my thumbs, just trying to figure out, okay, what's my next move? And I came to find out that uh, the power was lying within me. It was my time to rise above my circumstance about my situation uh, and even in my environment and create what I wanted to see in my outcome. And the book is a result of me releasing the power within during this pandemic. Hmm. That's interesting. So I, I heard you say, you said that we, we don't give the kids enough um, to release their power and the authenticity. What led you to focus primarily on the youth? So um, young people, I've been dealing with young people uh, as long as I can remember, as far as back as I can go. And I've dealt with children where there is single-parent households, the child or the children are being reared by their grandmother and the aunt. I have watched a two-parent household. I've watched children um, live in what we call the areas that are not so nice, and then we, we find children that live uh, in the areas that, you know, you, you, you just see on television, no matter the circumstance or the environment of the child, each child should be given the same right and the same authority to become who God has called them to be. Uh, young people became a part of my heart, uh, you know, and I, I heard the young lady talking. Uh, I deal with a lot of young people who are, have been in her same situation. Um, and you, when you allow this person or the child just to accept who they are, and I'm a believer, I believe in the word, so I'm not on here to contradict anything. Um, but when you set the pace or set the tone for the child, the child, the Bible says, train the child the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. There are some things that, you know, we instill in our children, but we don't let them grow in the things that we've instilled in them. Uh, I'm a prime example. I have three children, uh, and I, you know, I tried my very best to guide them the way I thought. And then when I saw a different pattern, you know, we automatically, as parents or as, you know, our environment, we think that the child is going to stray. The child is not going to stray. The child is just venturing out to see what's going to work best for them. But best to believe that what you've instilled in your child, it's in there. It's going to always be there. And so, you know, I've had to learn the hard way. And being with uh, a massive amount of children, I worked in the uh, the school system uh, in the city of Yonkers. You you don't want to say you meet all kinds, but you meet children from all different backgrounds, and, and what they just really want is just somebody that's willing to listen, somebody that's going to pay attention to them. And not only that, uh, me being a parent, I'm going to say this, and, and my children, if they're listening, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, you look at your children and say, don't do that, you shouldn't do that, but they're going to do it anyway. So yeah. I've had to back up and let them learn on their own, and they turned out to be pretty good young people. So that is the gist of, you know, how it came about dealing with young people and why I focus on young people um, in, in this era and in this time. Mm-hmm. Just hearing you talk, a word that came to my spirit was expectations. I think a lot of times yeah. as mm-hmm. parents, we have a lot of expectations on the path that we want them to take. And just because they yeah. may veer off or they may take the scenic route does not mean that they're not going to get there because you instill those yeah. things with principles. In, in them as a child. So if the Bible yes. says that, that when they grow older, they won't depart from it. So it's in there. Like, Absolutely. Just because they don't take that route that you planned out does not mean that they're not going to get there. So it's a very, yeah. good, very good point. And, Will, if I can just, just piggyback, one of the things that I want to add to it is that when you look at the Word of God, you see that the Bible says that we were all created in His image and His likeness. What we yes. have to do as a people is understand that what you choose to do with your image and your likeness is between you and God. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's between you and God. So, you know, I, I can't pay for you. You can't pay for me. And so whatever you whatever you decide, you have to take that to the Lord. And that's something that, you know, dealing with these young people, that's what I've had to learn. You know, uh, growing up in the household, both my parents are pastors. Uh, my mother's an apostle. There was structure. There was just certain things that you did and you did not do. And sometimes we tried to um, implement into children what we what was using brought up in. And I found yeah. out that every child needs a different prescription. Mm-hmm. Every child needs something different. And so, you know, that is a, that is something that I've had to learn over the years, and, and I'm still learning, if I can put that out there as well. Thank you so much for that. Because you're right, they do need a different prescription because there's so much out there that they're facing now. In your experience, yeah. what do you foresee as some of the main concerns that there's a lot of the young people are facing in today's time? If I can go back to what I just said, they really just need somebody that's willing to listen, right? Willing to pay attention, right? Sometimes you just, they just need your two ears. They don't need your mouth, right? Um, you know, and I found, I'm being honest, you know, and I'm telling you this also not from just the program director dealing with youth, being a spiritual life coach, but being a mother. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we want to give our opinion and we want to give our advice. That worked for me. That worked for you. It's not going to work for that. So when they trust you, when they come to you and they say to you, hey, can we talk, they really just want somebody that's going to listen, right? Sometimes they don't want your opinion, right? They just want to know they can come and they can trust you because next time they may have something else that they need to come and talk to you about. Uh, that's the first thing that I foresee, they, the, the issue of not being able to trust us the way that they used to. I want to say this, and I said this on another one of the talk shows that I was on, we need the community back. When I was growing up, it was the neighborhood. It was the community that took care of the children. And somebody say, oh, well, you know, children are past that point. They don't want to listen. They'll listen if you're talking. You're saying the right thing. The generation is different. So the chastisement of the correction when I was growing up doesn't work for this generation. So you've got to begin to meet people at their need. And, and if I can go to the word of God again, Jesus met us at our need, right? That's what he does. He meets us at our need. A lot of times we want children to fall in line, but you don't understand that, you know, they just came from sleeping in an abandoned car, right? Uh, they didn't have uh, any dinner on Friday. They had no food on Saturday or Sunday, and then you want to bring them into our environment, and you expect them to pay attention, right? Some of them are going through some real horrible situations. They don't have clean clothes. They don't have running water. They're going from location to location, right? So we need the community to come back in. We need the community to assist as much as possible. Uh, people say, well, I don't have much. What can I get? Do you have any extra clothes in your closet that you can drop off at the school, right? Do you have any extra? Can anybody, you know, see to it that, you know, and it may sound crazy. I remember growing up and when there was uh, the crossing guard, there was also the group of parents that made sure you can put your time in in these young people's lives in any area, any arena. Uh, and that's what I want us to say. The community has to come back. Uh, we cannot be afraid of our young people. We cannot be afraid to talk to them. Uh, you know, don't try to shove down their throat what worked for you. Uh, listen, hear what they say, uh, and then be able to meet them at their need. And I feel that if we meet them at their need, uh, you know, people say to me, Kim, you know, you, you seem like you want to try to save every child. I want to save as many as I can. And that's where my focus is at. I want to save as many young people as I possibly can, but it doesn't just take one person. On this journey, we are all needed. Oh, wow. I agree. So how do you think that, um, so I know you said um, as a community we need to come together and really understand how to reach the youth. So as a community, like, where do you think that they will be able to receive that type of um, pivot, like that direct change mindset? Because, like our generation, my generation and my parents' generation is completely different than like my nieces and nephews. So it's very hard to just say, you know, you have to pivot and think differently when this has been ingrained in us. And for me, I'm like, well, you know, maybe if my parents did listen to me, I may have taken a different direction. But at the end of the day, like you said, I turned out to be a good person. So was mm-hmm. everything in vain? So how, what suggestions do you have to you know, people to shift or pivot or what um, 
type of research or classes do you suggest that they take in order to reach the youth? I think in order for us to reach the youth, as I said, it's going to take the community. So we, we're looking at we're looking at the, the corner store, right? We need that owner, right? Uh, we need the church that's around the block. And I'm not really, you know, pinpointing uh, denominations. We need every every denomination that we probably can get, right? I believe that if our young people, so the community come back, right? You, you need the barber, right? You need the barber, right? You need uh, the mailman, right? And, and, and this is our community. This is what they see every single day. If we can get the unity back, because where there's unity, there's strength, then you will probably see a drastic change in our young people. They don't see unity amongst the adults. So we want them to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. The second thing I want to say to you is that even with the disconnect, we keep on saying that there's a disconnect between the old generation, my generation, your generation. There's no disconnect. Nobody's willing to just come together and unify and sit down and listen. I need what my grandmothers was taught. I need what my mothers was taught. I need what I was taught. My daughter's going to need and so forth and so on. This is the issue that we're having. We keep on, you know, young people have this idea, oh, you can't relate. Well, why can't we relate? We can relate. Okay, we, we can relate. You know, you have it a little bit more easier than we did because back in the old days, and forgive me for what I'm about to say, I hope nobody's offended, you got a spanking. You, you, you got a pow pow. You, you couldn't talk back, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so what we want the community to do is come back, and we want to instill in our young people that at the age that I'm at now, and I'm in my 50s, I still respect my mother to the utmost as much as I possibly can. I don't call her out of her name. I, I don't, there's just certain things I don't do. Uh, in my neighborhood, there are older generations. I still show them the utmost respect. So if we can bring together unity, we need the community. It was the neighborhood, technically, back in the days that reared the children. Yeah. Wasn't the system. Wasn't the system, yeah. right? And, and it was okay. I, I want to talk to fathers for a minute. You know, I remember getting up in the morning, and, and fathers were responsible. They were in a household. And maybe there's not a father in the household. So maybe there's the, the neighborhood uncle or the neighborhood grandfather, right? So we need those. We need those. We need men and women to help our young people. There's a time when, you know, if, if your household didn't go to church, it was okay because we were knocking on your door and asking your parents, could you come? So we got to get back to the basics. And that's the reason why I say you need the older generation to connect with the middle age, to connect with the young so that we can make sure we cultivate the babies that are being born in this time and age. Yes, yes, yes. What I like what you said there is back in the day, back in in, in our age, it was a neighborhood thing. We had big mom, mm-hmm. we had neighbor. Everybody looked out <laughs> for everybody. But because of so many, we have so many rights now. We have so many laws, you know. And everybody, their whole thing now is mind your business. I'm minding my business. Um, with your working, with you out in the community and doing all that you're doing you have almost like a front row seat of what's changing. Is it getting any better for our youth out there? Can I say one one child at a time, Will, and I I will be honest with you, I'm seeing a change. And the reason why I say that, um, being a program director for an after-school program for quite a few few years, it ended uh, during the pandemic, Uh, there were young people that I was dealing with, and I want to say this again, Young people come with, no matter what their, their nationality, the background, the religious beliefs, they are all dealing with some of the same issues. Um, and there were things that I really was, I, was, I, was, I wasn't privy to uh, because of the household mm-hmm. that I grew up in. I just automatically assumed that everybody mm-hmm. in, in, in my neighborhood was growing up the same way, right? I didn't know that some of the people that was in my neighborhood was going through what they were going through until I got older and we wound up running into each other and I found out, okay, hey, but you were smiling, you were laughing, you were giggling. I happened to be at a uh, amusement park with my daughters and my, and my grandbabies, and I remember running into two lovely young people. Um, and these are young people, beautiful, beautiful young ladies, and, but they had some moments. I don't like to use the word problems. I don't like to use the word issues. I say moments because at any given moment, they're going to come out of it, right, just like you and I have. Right. And I remember looking at one of them, and I said to them, I said, um, boy, have you changed? And this was a baby that I, I stayed on. These babies, I stayed on them. I, I was head on conversations, contacting parents, calling parents, uh, meeting with parents, uh, assisting any possibly I could, and, you know, just, like, praying. I had to be honest. Well, I prayed. I prayed every time I went into uh, my location. I said, God, listen, you have me here for a purpose and for a reason. I- I'm-, I'm-, I'm a part of the solution, but I can't do it all by myself. I need your help. And so I went in being who I was. 
when I saw this baby about a couple of weeks ago at the amusement park, she was a totally different person. And she said this to me. She said, I listened to you. You made the difference. And mm. so one child at a time, one yeah. child at a time. We may not be able to save all at one time, but if you take three, I take two, and the young lady on the other end, she takes five, we have accomplished a lot. I happen to go to, and I, I love, you know, fast food. When I can eat it, my daughter, again, took me to get some breakfast, and she went inside for me. And she comes out and she says, you got to come inside because one of your students is in there. Now, I have been in the lives of so many children from eighth grade, from, excuse me, from seventh grade to twelfth grade. And so I couldn't, like, when she was calling the name, I couldn't, couldn't put the face. And I said, well, what's going on? She came from behind the counter. She hugged me. She said, I've been looking for you. You've made a change. And I knew that there were things that she was going through that I, as a mother, felt, felt for her. Uh, and I talked to her mother, you know, and we, we, we had good conversation. And, again, I took it before the Lord in prayer. And I said, yeah. Lord, you, you've not given these children to me just to be given them to me. These babies were given to me on loan. You are trusting these babies to mm-hmm. me. And the young lady said to me, you've made a difference. And I happened to have one of my books in my bag. And I said, hey, I want to know if you would take my book. I want you to read it. Tell me what you think. I'm thinking about having an event where I want to bring some young people together because they need an outlet. She said, oh, my God, we need that. She said, just let me know when, and I'll bring the whole crew back together. We're talking about quite a bit of children. So, again, if you and I can touch one child per day, mm-hmm. if each adult, we get 50, of the 50 adults to touch one child per day, that's 50 children. Multiply that, five of us, per day, per week. Yes. We've accomplished a lot. And I think, if you understand, let's look at the math here. You, you can't reach all, all at once. But let's take yeah. our time and let's reach in and let's, let's grab that one, that, that one that you keep on walking past because society has said that he's a, he or she is a troubled child, right? Exactly. But they belong to some pastor. They belong to some, some judge. They belong to some, some lawyer, right? They belong to a teacher. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to take the village to win child one by one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Awesome. I definitely agree, and I just would like to ask you to share with our listeners where they can find you, how they can find your book, um, um, give us your social medias, and what you have coming up that you would like, you know, people to maybe. Thank you, thank you, and let me just let me just start off by saying thank you for this opportunity. I really do appreciate it. Um, I can be found on all social media platforms: Facebook, IG, Twitter, Pinterest. Um, at IamKenDorsey.com. I do have a website. You can find me there. Um, my book can be found on platforms such as um, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, um, Good Deeds. Uh, they're just, we are basically all over the place, mm-hmm. um, which I'm truly grateful for. I have some things that are in, in the making right now, and maybe I can, you know, reach back. I normally like to put things out there that are prematurely, but mm-hmm. I have a couple of people that I'm, I'm willing to partner with. Um, that, you know, I want to see a change. I want to see a difference. And I want to, again, do one, deal with one child at a time, starting within my community. And I'm hoping to venture out in other cities uh, where I can come and just partner uh, and hopefully open up some doors there. Uh, you know, you, you definitely need the community. We can't leave God out, most definitely, uh, mm-hmm. because prayer does work. Um, you know, it has worked for me. <laughs> uh, I, I could say some things that, that, that prayer not work for me. Thank you, God. Um, you know, so, you know, if I can, if we can incorporate the basics uh, back into the lives of the, of, the, of the community and the families and in the household, I do believe that we're going to see a great change. But we must include God in it. So uh, thank you again for this opportunity and the time. And to your audience, I appreciate you for listening. All right. Thank you so much. A lot of information. Make sure you pick up that book. And Kim, thank you so much, and God bless you as well. Thank you. You as well. Good information. I love her energy. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was great. I definitely like that, um, you know, she kind of came back and said there's not different – there's different mindsets in a generation, but we still need to learn from each generation. And so if we, if we, you know, take ourselves out of that, like my parents, you know, 
did this way, I did it this way. So, you know, we can all kind of learn and just bring some of our, some things that worked into, mm-hmm. um, you know, guidance and direction. It still can mm-hmm. work, you know, because they still yeah. need some of those little nuggets. Exactly. I think we can all, we can learn from each other. Each generation can learn. I don't think no one needs to negate anyone. I think we right. can, of course, there are different ways of doing things. Um, that's what technology does, you know. Uh, my pastor was saying that um, a lot of people now they pull up their phones and um, your tablets and everything instead of uh, a Bible, a uh, paper Bible. But, you know, mm-hmm. all of it's necessary um, to, to disseminate the word of God. But I just feel like there's room for everybody. I don't ever shun anybody for um, in, in any generation. Um, I know a lot of people in my family, number one, they're talking about when you go to church, where's your Bible? I said, I use my phone. Get you a Bible. You know what? The <laughs> word is the same. I can get mine quick and can in your paper. Right. Bible. I have my <laughs> on my desk. I got my tablet and I got my phone. So, right. yeah. But I definitely love the interview. Um, we have a few more minutes. We can jump back into a couple of more of these topics. I wanted to talk about the Cardi B situation. Did you see that with the nail tech? Oh, okay. I thought you meant the other one. Yes, that the nail tech summing up, she canceled on her? Yeah, well, she didn't cancel, so she just oh. didn't deny it. So it was a nail tech, um, and she got a last-minute appointment request for Cardi B, um, and she turned it down. She turned the opportunity down. Her rationale behind it was that she wanted to accommodate her book clients, her regular clients, instead of canceling on them to assist Cardi B um, for her next level nails. So it says the moment for the manicures would have benefited her briefly, but her longstanding clients would um, will continue to ensure her business survives in the long run. Um, a lot of people are upset are saying that, you know, you missed the opportunity of a lifetime. She could have put you on, blah, 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 blah. Um, she said, y'all have to understand, my clients deserve to be serviced. I've canceled before for a celebrity and regret it because I lost those clients. This resonated with me because I, when I was really, really into the hair and the makeup, I had a publicist. I still have the publicist. I don't use her as much as I do anymore, used to. But she used to always contact me when stuff would come here. And I would have a book clientele. I've done it once or twice when she was like, I think this would be great to open up opportunities. And I've done it. And just something inside of me, I just felt horrible because I was like, these are people who are there every week on the week. I can I can pay my bills. I can plan my bills on the clients I have because they're that loyal. And then I just allowed someone to talk me into putting them to the side just for somebody who didn't tag me in a picture, somebody who didn't even take a picture with me so I could post the picture, just for mm-hmm. me to be able to verbally say I did X, Y, and Z. And there were people for the Black Chitlin Circuit State. Um, so I can definitely understand. I respect her immensely for the stance that she took. You know, she passed on it. Then she went on uh, social media and said, you know, I would love the opportunity to do it again. But, you know, she said, you know, her, her regular clients had to take priority. And then, of course, part of the she was like, girl, who are you? Uh, whatever. But, you know, how do you feel? Do you think that was the right thing to do, or what do you think? Um, I I think I agree. I think I agree that, um, you know, if you have people that are already set up and you know that's guaranteed money, um, mm-hmm. you know, what happens if you, she did Cardi B and Cardi B didn't like it? And then yeah. the publicity spent, you know, it, or like you said, she went out and she never took any pictures or never tagged her or anything. So then she lost out, we'll just say 100, 400, she had four people, we'll just say she lost $400 for nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely agree. Very rarely do celebrities pay because they're, you're, that's the payment typically is that I did Cardi B. So it was supposed to give you that clout to be supposed to typically don't think. Oh, okay. So then definitely, yeah, because that, and then, yeah, I, w- I agree. Like, you know, just to say you did and then, like, 
if you don't get any exposure, you you're not you wasn't fired, you was just, you know, you were just okay, you got it done what needs to be done and she didn't call you out or anything, you got no exposure and you lost out on money. So basically you took an L for that day and you didn't have to. Oh, all right. So hopefully, you know, her clients appreciate appreciate. I, I would never do that again. I mean, it would have to be like Beyonce for me to cancel my time. Literally, it would have to be Beyonce um, or Oprah or Oprah. And I've been very close to working with her, and I still had to turn it on because when she had Reggie, um, I as her makeup artist, and he wanted us to come to Baltimore to assist them. Um, I still came late because I had to do my clients. I had to take care of my people first. Mm-hmm. But let's see, our last topic for tonight. This is this body count. Now, this is a, something that we've had a conversation my spouse and I, and you know, we basically had to come to the understanding. Let me read this first. So it says, "My wife is my wife. Her past is her past." If you've ever slept with her or you know people who have slept with her, that's your problem. Every woman has a past she surely regrets, and every good human being makes mistakes as well. But that doesn't prevent her from being an ideal woman for another man. I've chopped her before. I mean, I've chopped her before means nothing to her. It won't stop us from marrying. She's a class of her own. There's a queen in her. You saw only sex. We saw future 100%. Brothers, let's take the time to make them happy, to value and to get others to respect our women instead of taking the time to listen to criticism of our women while promoting and encouraging hypocrites to denigrate our women. Past is past. Yesterday can never come again. It was a lesson. It was a process that helped remold our lives for the now and later. We'll never be kids again. We're growing each day. Don't be tired of learning as long as life keeps teaching. So, what is it about people wanting to know how many partners you've had in the past? Um, is body count important in any relationship? Does it matter to you in getting to know somebody? Um, I thought that was your business. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but it seems like people want to know. Yeah, I don't think I would ever ask. It's just very hard for me to answer this because I've been, you know, with the same person for well over 10 years. So, Mm -hmm. like, the experience level for people who have a specific body count versus me because I was in committed in a marriage is going to be different. So it could be intimidating. So I personally probably wouldn't ask in general, but... um, to ask. I, mean, I would never think to ask. Mm-hmm. Now, I have been in situations where I have had like my close friends or whatever be like, oh yeah, such and such was with them. Well, I know they used to date and I would just put together that, you know, of course they were probably intimate. And it brought up that way, but to go out and ask, and definitely to directly ask, you know, how many people you've been with, that would never, God knows I would for them to ask me that, but it would that's just I think it's tacky, and I don't you know it's really it's, it's like what he said in his thing. He was like, "You only saw sex, and we saw a future, and to me, that's all that matters, you know as long as you're right. doing it, but yeah, that's I wonder it. if guys ask that to see how experienced the you know she may be maybe I think from a maybe a man's perspective to see how well you know in those days in high school I remember that me and my boys we would we would because of we were guys to have a higher count was supposed to be impressive though we were experienced that we was macho that you know we was what you were supposed to have but to, we wanted a, a female who was pure and innocent and nobody I and that was our whole thing. We wanted to find somebody. So if you had a high count, you go, oh, no, you got the label. You got, and there were a lot of girls that were, you know, they got the label. You don't matter if she was the, the H word or whatever. But, of yeah. course, we wanted to be able to say we was with everybody because that made us cool and popular. But, you know, not fair, but that's just 
that was just the fact of the matter. That's how it was. Back in high school, back when I was still scrambling, trying to figure out what was going on with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Miss Summer, it is already 8 o'clock. I want to thank you, sweetheart, for coming on the show. We're definitely going to talk after the show. We have some things to catch up on. But I want to thank you. I hope you come back. We only have a few more shows. Um, I think you used up all your sick days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely will return. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed okay. the topics, and I enjoyed our guest speaker today. And I'm looking forward to the one next week as well. Yes, as well. Thank you so much. Um, make sure that you tune in, everybody, for next week. It is Miss Janice Danzi. She's going to be talking about understanding the power and freedom within. Until next week, everybody. Be blessed and and have a good week. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it, 